Georgia's DBHDD is warning all Georgians that half of all opioid deaths happen at home when people take an oxy or a perk with a glass of alcohol for stress or to sleep. Learn more about protecting families from opioid overdoses at opioidresponse.info. Here we go. It's time for another Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Thanks so much for uh, joining us for our show today. Uh, We have a very special guest who we're going to talk with about Marta and Gwinnett County. She is the chairwoman of the Gwinnett County uh, Commission, Charlotte Nash. Um, You've been out pounding the pavement, beating the bushes, telling folks, voters in your county, why Marta is so important, the expansion. We're going to get into that. Thank you. I just want to initially say thank you for being here today, Charlotte. Well, I appreciate the invitation, the chance to be here and talk about my number one subject now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Michael Owens is here. He is the uh, chairman of the Democratic Party of Cobb County. Hi, Michael. How are you doing? I'm good, Bill. Happy to be here as usual. Yeah, and, and it's going to be interesting when we get to the MARTA discussion, of course, uh, depending on what happens <laughs> in Gwinnett, it looks like Cobb may be next in the barrel. Heath Garrett, who is joining us again today, a Republican strategist, longtime Georgia Republican strategist. He's a, he, he's a Cobb County man. He knows how the uh, vote in Gwinnett could affect Cobb, yes, Eve? Absolutely. Glad to be here on a Monday. And of course, it is Monday, so Jim Galloway, the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, is with us. You read him on Wednesdays and Sundays in the Dead Tree edition of the paper, and you're all and you spend all day trying to put new items into the insider blog on AJC.com. Yeah, yeah, or or or, or asking other people to do it. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, but in the long run, it's like if it's blank space, you're the one who there pays the price. There you go. <laughs> right. Hey, Jim, so let's start with, uh, before we turn to Marta, which we will in just a minute, there's a pretty major development in the last couple of hours in regard to a an investigation that your folks did in cooperation with uh, WSB-TV, Channel 2, uh, in which uh, the reporters looked into the fact that Speaker of the House David Ralston seems to have used his position or taken advantage of his position in the as a member of the House and, and as Speaker to uh, continually ask for delays in criminal cases, in some cases which were uh, very, very serious crimes, rape, violence against women, other crimes. Enticement of children. Enticement of children. And the um, data suggested that perhaps the speaker was looking for long-time continuances uh, to make these cases eventually go away. Of course, he denies that. But that's essentially what the story talked about. Right, and 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 a f- and a few of the uh, at least one of the people he was representing saying, said that this is how the speaker advertised himself. Yeah, so he got twenty thousand uh, dollars in Ralston to to delay it as long as possible. Right, you had uh, uh, on Friday, I believe, you had uh, David Clark, a state representative out of Buford, a Republican, uh, file a resolution uh, asking the speaker, uh, demanding that the speaker resign his speakership. Uh, only nine other Republicans signed on. It wasn't a. It wasn't a. a, uh, a uh, if if it were a revolt, it was going to be an unsuccessful one. But apparently, over the weekend, uh, you had uh, you had uh, the speaker doing some internal examination, and he decided to take control of uh, of his his own lot at he, this point. That's right. He went to the well, which a speaker of the House doesn't do very often. Heath Garrett. We know Sorry. that speakers tend. To be up there presiding, but when they come down to go to the well themselves, you know something's up. Well, there's no question that this uh, article had an impact. Um, it was laid out as an investigation, and uh, Speaker Rawson was going to have to address it. And the question was, which you know, which way do you want to do it? And I think he wisely chose what I would call the Johnny Isaacson approach, which is when challenged with something on ethics or law. Just get it all out there, take it head on, uh, say that, look, I, and he, and I think this is right. I don't think he did anything unethical or illegal based on what I have seen in these articles as a lawyer. It's very difficult if you take defense cases because you're 
defending some people who aren't so good of a, of a folks. And I think that, and you're in the legislature uh, and you're in a small town, you're a lawyer, you do these kind of things and you, you have to represent people like this. However, he recognized the perception could be reality and he went down and he addressed it, I think, pretty forthrightly. So let's listen uh, and then have a larger conversation about it. Um, we're going to listen to a fair chunk. He spoke for 10 plus minutes, long, long time. We won't listen anywhere near that uh, uh, length of his remarks. But I do want you to get a good sense of what the speaker had to say. And then we'll talk about the remedies he proposed for dealing with this. Michael, do you want to say something? Yeah, I just want to say something before we go to the clip, just to kind of put it in context, because um, what, what Ralston is, is the, the uproar is, a, is about in some ways is that he requested 57 continuances for over 21 cases over the past two year span. So that's, you know, that's kind of where this has came from. Okay, thank you for that. Let's listen to Ralston uh, speaking to the House of Representatives late this morning. I know that a number of fair-minded Georgians have questions about the legislative leave law. And as a result, I believe we have an obligation, I have an obligation not to dismiss their concerns. For these people, their concern for the victims in these cases, I believe, is real. And it's not simply as a prop in a media hit piece or in a campaign ad. Accordingly, I will this week, this week, assemble a bipartisan. That means both parties, because I think this needs both parties at the table. Advisory group to examine the need for this law and to make recommendations for changes. Now I do this fully realizing that this is not going to satisfy everybody. Those who choose to use this as a campaign stunt to launch a campaign for another office will continue to put themselves ahead of the greater good. You know, reputations are formed by a lifetime. My own reputation was formed in the community that I live, and yes, it was formed in the courtrooms of North Georgia where my word was my bond, and it's been formed here. My hope is that they will remember me as having a reputation that had the courage to do the right thing. To have the courage to change when necessary. Jim, uh, the speaker took a couple of steps. He, number one, said that two of the cases which the investigation suggested were particularly egregious have now been put on the docket. They will now, there are trial dates set for them. He said he will take no new criminal cases as long as the cases he's already as, handling as those, are yeah, pending. Yeah, as long as those two that you mentioned and two more are until those, those, they're off off the books there. And, and then, of course, he, he did say that he was going to appoint this um, uh, bipartisan panel to look at the rules which allow legislators to take to, to uh, get delays from uh, judges uh, for cases. Um, so, he, you know, it's it, Jim, on Friday's show, uh, Caesar Mitchell said it's up to the speaker now to get himself out of this. Well, it's, it's, what's interesting here is is that that the shots fired, and you and you heard the speaker's references to them. Uh, they came from Republicans, from fellow Republicans. You know, the speaker is a Republican, uh, not from Democrats. Democrats were noticeably silent, and you had, uh, in fact, you had uh, Stacey Abrams in an interview with our friend Dennis O'Hare over at WABE, mm -hmm. specifically decide not to step into this into this argument and and she said she made the point that it's up for it's up to the speaker and his and his constituents to handle this matter and that's that's where and and Caesar Mitchell on Friday in our program was riffing off that and I think he and I think that's uh, that's exactly what happened Michael um there were a couple people on Facebook Live, and of course, I think everybody knows by now, if you want to watch this program while we're talking, just go to the GPB news page on Facebook. We'll be there, and you can leave your comments there as well. Uh, there were people who thought that um, 
some uh, some of the panelists on Friday were a little bit too forgiving in terms of how the speaker has handled these situations. And uh, and I but I think the and the speaker was unhappy with the media. And we heard that in his remarks. He was especially unhappy with one radio host who really went after him, not at this station. Uh, And he talked about that in his uh, remarks this morning. Um, But. This has been a matter which deserved attention. And, of course, at the same time that the speaker kind of said the media was out to get him, he seemed to be willing to correct the problems that they pointed out. Yeah, I I think it's it's a situation where it it was one that just wasn't going to go away, one that's going to amplify and get louder. And, you know, while there may be some provisions there in the law, when you have serious egregious cases— uh, that that there's a pattern there now. Now I think there was a report that some that he has gotten some cases resolved over the last two years. So it's not like he's he's just delayed each and every one of them. Uh, but I think this was a he felt this was a serious attack on his character and his legacy, um, and even more so an attack from within his own party, uh, which kind of led the the comment about you know if those seeking to have higher office through this. Um, so it's it we that, clearly that was, understand that was a reference to David Clark, who's, yeah, who's is running for the seventh direct seventh reference district. for him, right? Um, and I think Democrats are are exactly right in kind of standing standing uh, pat on this. Um, you know, it, it's not anything where we have. Uh, it, it's not a political uh, item to kind of delve into. It's a law that's on the books, um, and it's you know it's victims and and families of of law cases that he has outstanding. So I, I'm happy that you know I, I stand with Stacey Abrams in in her approach with it, and I think uh, you know we let them sort it out. And I and I do think you know, and I understand the listeners thinking that 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 people are being too forgiving. But David Rawson mentioned this, right? His character, he believes, has been melded over a lifetime of public service from his hometown in Blue Ridge. I know for a fact he modeled his career after Zell Miller and Johnny Isaacson, right? He grew up in the mountains with Zell's world. And in the 1990s, when the Republican primary was split between the Isaacson Republicans and others, he was always an Isaacson Republican always followed Johnny Isaacson's lead. And so he is hurt personally by the attack on his ethics and his character because that's the one thing he's always carried forward. I think some of our Democratic friends are giving him some leniency here because they've worked with him over the last 15 or 20 years, and he's been a reasonable uh, leader and uh, fair to the Democrats. A lot of Democrats but, were involved. But he's, but, all right, so take fine. Right. There were victims who were interviewed right. by the AJC were terribly disturbed that that cases that he was handling were not being adjudicated. And um, it strikes me that we cannot completely let that go. And perhaps Ralston has decided he's going to reform on this score. But as a defense lawyer, I'm going to assume to some extent he took advantage of what the law allows to get the most benefit from clients. I don't know that for a fact, right. but the victims deserve a voice here, do they not? Oh, and he, he acknowledges that, and he acknowledges that a lot of people that are concerned about this are legitimately concerned about these victims. Uh, I would make the argument that he did adjudicate a lot of cases during this period of time and that he didn't abuse his position in the way that that people are characterizing it. But to do that, you have to really understand how defense lawyers are required to zealously represent bad people. And I don't think, and a lot of lawyers that I've talked to don't see him having abused that, including lawyers like Roy Barnes and Nathan Deal, who have had similar practices when they held important offices. And so... There's a balance here, and I, I applauded for getting up there and saying, let's, yeah, let's try to make I, it right. Yeah, Michael, go ahead of, real quick. Part of the reason in which I, I think it can come up to be said is I, I remember reading back through and looking at some of the reasons for the – uh, for the delays, and some were, you know, luncheons or speaking engagements. Now, it's within the purview of his office and what he's doing, so, that you know, technically it, it, it's still covered within the legislative leave law. Um, but I think it does open up. I'm happy to see Speaker Rawson address it and look at saying, hey, let's take a bipartisan approach to look at this legislation. Um, and if I may dare go out on a limb here, I'll say this also seems to kind of come at a time where, you know, the the question about how much legislators are being paid again when supposedly we have a part-time legis- a part-time uh, legislative calendar, therefore part-time legislators, 
but I bet they're doing kind of full-time work um, and at least enough to—they're not being paid enough through the current legislation to allow them to be full-time legislators. So, you know, this, this law has to be in place because people still have to make a living. Jim, we've watched any number of politicians find themselves the subject of investigations, of accusations, getting themselves into a hole— and scratched our heads when they don't seem to be able to figure out how to stop the damage. Here's an example of a guy who he may it took a few days, but fairly quickly, Ralston recognized this was something that he needed to address, and he did. Right. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, I would say it, I know he was very critical of the media, and I'm sure the media hurts if it when it when it comes out against it. Every you know, every now and then, I get my own my my own fight with Twitter followers and such. But I think you know, with the exception of of the aforementioned aforementioned radio host, I, I would I would say that he was treated pretty fairly at least by my newspaper and 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 i'm i'm going to i'm going to posit that right there and i think but i also think that because we did not go after him hammer and tong every day we did what we had to do he had some room to maneuver he wasn't forced into a corner where he said well uh, i mean we and we have seen we have seen individuals uh, like certain mayors of Atlanta, forced into corners where they will not retreat, where right. they can find no avenue of retreat. Right, right. Well, Stacey Abrams got him, gave him that room too, Michael Owens, by saying, "I'm I'm watching how this develops, and uh, the speaker has always been an honorable guy, in my opinion." I think that's fair enough. All right, you know what? Let's do this. Um, so uh, it, we're going to go to Marta. We have Charlotte Nash. The chairman of the Gwinnett County Commission, uh, right here with us in the studio. But why don't we do this? Why don't we reset, take a break, reset, and come back, and we're going to talk about MARTA and the possible expansion to Gwinnett County. This is Political Rewind. Now is the perfect time to clean out the garage and get rid of that car you no longer need. You'll face the coming months with a fresh start, and by donating your used car to GPB, you'll even get a tax deduction. Call 877-GPB-1-CAR or donate securely online at gpb.org slash cars. And thanks. The payment app Venmo has changed the etiquette around IOUs and put our financial habits, good and bad, on public display. You want to pay it socially so everybody knows that you're not a deadbeat and you've met your obligation. I'm Ari Shapiro. How to be polite when you're going cashless, plus a preview of the U.S.-North Korea summit this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. It's 4 till 7 today on GPB and gpbnews.org. This is actually a pretty big day for you, Charlotte Nash, because early voting began this morning in Gwinnett County on a referendum that would allow for the expansion of MARTA into Gwinnett County, right? Absolutely correct. Uh, uh, first uh, vote referendum on this issue since 1990. Uh, and uh, but certainly a very different proposition in terms of the contract we've been able to negotiate with, with MARTA. And Gwinnett's a different place now from what it was in 1990. Having lived there all my life, I can, I can certainly recognize the many changes that have happened in Gwinnett. We're excited to be at this point. There were, what, 300,000 people in 1990? Thereabouts. And now we're closing in on a million. Close. So I use 950,000 as the estimated population now, but that's pretty close to a million, isn't it? <laughs> and the demographic, obviously, very much so. Very different from T what it was. Twenty-five percent of our residents were born outside the U.S. For example, that's the statistic wow. that oh. most people are surprised. Twenty-five percent. Twenty-five percent. So, a lot of people. Uh, those people came from parts of the world where a robust public transit system is just part of what's expected. Um, why is this a good deal? You've been out really uh, working to pass this. Why is it an important uh, uh, move from Gwinnett? Well, from uh, certainly having been in the county all my life and having been involved with uh, county government for much of that time, uh, I've heard all the many reasons that people come up with, you know, have come up with in the past to say that's not the direction Gwinnett needs to go. Uh, 
and we've attempted to address those those issues in in the contract that's been negotiated. Uh, the legislature gave us some help in terms of some uh, revisions that were made to the MARTA Act in conjunction with House Bill 930 that uh, positioned Gwinnett a little bit differently. What does that mean? That, that means, uh, for example, the penny that would be... Um, uh, collected if the referendum, uh, the penny tax that would be collected if the referendum passes uh, is identified specifically as Gwinnett funds. It's remitted by the state to Gwinnett. Gwinnett holds those funds and in turn writes uh, checks or, or makes payments to MARTA based on contractual obligations. Uh, Jim, the importance of that for the people of Gwinnett and certainly in, in being Charlotte Nash promoting this is that the money is held first by the county, which has some accountability before MARTA gets their and, and and it and it maintains it maintains control over its taxes, its right? Ta its tax right. base, right. which I think is very important. Um, Ms. Nash, uh, I know before we when we were off air a little while ago, we were outlining the this four mile stretch of heavy rail. Yes, that goes from from that goes from DeKalb County to Norcross. Yes, uh, uh, two hundred fifty thousand uh, two hundred fifty million dollars a mile. Okay, so that's what Norcross gets out of this. What does the rest of Gwinnett County? get out of, out of this? Well, certainly that, that stretch of rail's gotten a lot of attention, but the, the package is very uh, broad, and the modes of trans transit that are proposed for different areas of the county are matched up to the density of, of those areas. There's 50 miles of, of bus rapid transit. Think about that as a train on rubber tires that will run in dedicated lanes. 110 miles of rapid bus, which uh, is partially in dedicated lanes and partially in mixed traffic. Uh, big expansion of commuter express buses, local bus service. There will be flex service that, that will uh, serve the areas that are less densely populated. And paratransit services for those with mobility challenges will be more than doubled. Uh, and I can go on and on with some other uh, smaller portions of, of the package, but suffice it to say there's something in it for everyone, including... If you can get uh, other people, if we could just have one in ten people decide that they're, uh, if we can ha have ten people decide <laughs> that they're going to ride transit, uh, th that makes a, the the ratio of, of folks uh, going using transit makes a big difference in the traffic in on the the road. Let me let me ask you one more thing. You you had uh, last week you had your your state of Gwinnett County speech. Yes. And there was a very interesting line in there that says that this uh, that 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 this MARTA referendum was needed in order to stop the brain drain away from Gwinnett County. That you have young people who are finding other places to live, which I which you know if 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 we're we've we've been around for forty years. That's strange because Gwinnett County and Cobb County, North Fulton is kind of the places where they've gone to in our in our lifetimes. Now they're leaving. Well, certainly there's different expectations. I have uh, a 24-year-old granddaughter, and her idea of what she wants her life to be is different from what I would have expected at that age. Uh, the The presence of transit makes a big difference to the younger age groups in terms of just the the, um, the amenities that they expect in a in a community, and certainly it makes a difference in the in the type of businesses that are interested in locating in an area. We want those good jobs that come with big corporation headquarters and so forth in Gwinnett. It's important for our future. Well, and I'll, you know, I'll say that for the last 25 years, working in public policy with Johnny Isaacson and with Chairwoman Nash, with Sam Owens when he was chair of the Cobb County uh, folks, I've been following trans and transportation. First of all, the Chair Nash ought to be applauded for her leadership of the county not just on this, but she has been accountable to the people, and that's going to be a big factor in this vote, right? People vote on whether or not they believe the current leadership is accountable, transparent, and have managed the monies previously. So I just want to say that you've done a great job in that prior to this. And the other things you mentioned that have changed are, are critical, right? The population and density on that corridor has increased dramatically since 1990, making the justification for heavy rail uh, a much better economic argument for the tax conservative taxpayer uh, in that corridor. And you're give it's something for everybody. You're using every form of transportation possible, not just heavy rail, right? It's flex busing. It's all the different ride share components to it that I think are changing the, the policy demographic uh, issues around that and the concerns that were there 30 years ago. 
and the politics of it, making even some conservative Republicans interested in this in a way they weren't before. Well, uh, the key to it uh, is matching uh, matching the type of the mode of transit appropriately to the county's needs now, but leaving flexibility for what we do in the future as well. And, and I was also going to say a, a key component of that is, and as you said, I think, Chairwoman Nash, it's demographics have changed and people have changed and the expectations of the people that live in these areas and and not just Gwinnett but I think across the metro Atlanta area um, has has inherently changed so public policy would and should reflect what the people that live in those areas expect and when you have um, you know from not only a, a uh, generational aspect, but also a geographical aspect. With people coming in to Metro Atlanta from different parts of the country, different parts of the world, if you will, particularly when we talk about Gwinnett, right. um, where where public transit, mass transit, was just a way to get around. Uh, it, you know, public transportation, and this is a, a thing that I think we have here in the South, quite honestly, is that using public transportation or mass transit transportation doesn't mean that you're just too poor to own a car. Right. It means that there is a more convenient way to get around. And and let me tell you, I mean, no matter age, race, color, creed, traffic doesn't care who you are. If you're stuck in traffic. You're stuck in traffic. Oh, right? so, Michael, you know, it's a Chicago and growing up in Chicago. I'm on your side on this one. You know, look, you can have you can have a millionaire literally sitting beside you know someone who who's still in college. Well, and the, when people ask me about what's different about it this time around, in addition to the demographic changes and and, all, and density and all the other things, the the way I phrase it is personal pain, the level yes. of personal so, pain. So, Sh- Charlotte, let me let me. Uh, About a week ago, uh, there was a panel on the show. I'm not going to go back and name names, but there was a panel, Democrat, Republican, uh, and your ears should have been burning (laughs) because they were to a person uh, questioning the wording of this referendum, which doesn't mention MARTA, which doesn't mention a one penny sales tax. Mm -hmm. It's so vaguely worded. The question is, where did the wording come from? And why isn't it more candidly expressed? Well, uh, as you as you all probably know, uh, the the ballot wording on those kind of local referendum when it has to do with with taxes uh, uh, that's that's set by the state legislature. Uh, if you look back at the wording of the ballot in 1990, there was no mention of a sales Is that tax right? then. Uh, absolutely, there Interesting. was no. I went back and looked at that. The the actual wording. Uh, for the ballot uh, comes straight out of uh, revision that came from House Bill 930. You know, I guess one of the reasons I'm asking that, I want to make sure I say... It isn't like a secret. No, absolutely <laughs> not. No, I we mean, have been so, very, we've been very right. forthright. Well, it, that's my point. We've been very forthright. Yeah, if you show up to vote, you don't, you're not quite, if on, I, the, on a rare special election, you're not confused about why you're there. No, yeah, you know, no, no, there, no. There's even, a, even if we were trying to, and, and I guarantee you every piece of, of uh, information, uh, materials that the county has put out in, includes the mention of both the sales tax and the fact the contracts well, with Marta. And interestingly, that kind of leads me to my other question because I know you've been asked this before. So if this ballot initiative had been, say, on the ballot in November and worded the way it is, maybe some people could have said, oh, they're trying to sneak one past <laughs> it. But it wasn't voted on in November. And people are asked, have asked, what was the process? Why didn't it go on the November well, ballot? Well, as I've said in the past, the, the vote of the board uh, of commissioners for Gwinnett County speaks for itself. Uh, the my part of my job is to get as much consensus around uh, issues as I possibly can, and that's where we wound up uh, four to one on the MARTA contract and five zero on the referendum. So call. the chairman well, wants to let the commission speak for itself on this, but well, actually, there the, were political the, reasons behind and, this, weren't and, there? And there used to be, right? So the conventional wisdom was: is if you wanted these to pass, you did special elections, right. and you avoided the general election. Actually now, it would have behooved the commission to actually have it in the general election. It would have been much easier to pass it there, in my estimation, from a political standpoint. And so that criticism kind of rings hollow if you're opposing this tax. Right. It, it actually mm-hmm. uh, gives the, the the what I view is probably the vocal minority a little bit more power in the vote because they're angry and might come vote in a special election. Well, on, on that topic, Ms. Nash, okay, you've got uh, uh, today— over at the state capitol, you had nine Democratic state lawmakers from Gwinnett County, all from Gwinnett County, represent, representing portions of Gwinnett County, 
come out and in, in, endorse the referendum. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Insist on a, a yes mm-hmm. vote. Uh, so far as I know, we haven't had any Republican state lawmaker from Gwinnett do the same. And you are the highest ranking elected Republican that I know of who is who is pushing on this vote. What's the what's the uh, what's the situation? Well, I mean, this this issue is there. There are lots of different uh, opinions on this issue uh, among the Republican Party members. It's fair to say Uh, that they're split. The Republicans are split. It's fair to say that it's split. Uh, I mean, uh, the conservative nature of of, uh, particularly some some branches of of our party uh, means that anything that has a tax associated with it is is uh, they're skeptical about. Uh, it, it, this is a long-term proposition. It, it's harder for people. You know, we've been very successful dealing with special purpose local option sales tax. We've only lost one of those ba- uh, votes in since it was allowed uh, first in 1985. Uh, that's a shorter time period. It's easier for people to get their minds around the uh, results, what they can expect. When you're talking about a, a longer period, decades long, and the type of projects that uh, many of the transit projects turn out to be, I think it's harder for people to to grasp it that the the benefit and see it within within a shorter period of time. This is very much the same kind of decision that was made in Gwinnett County to invest in in uh, water and sewer, for example, mm-hmm. back in the uh, earlier decades. Those didn't have to have a vote of the people. I'm not sure that some of them would have passed yeah. at the, at points in time if they had been put. It's big dollars long term. It's it's hard for it's hard to, for people to make the connection in terms of what the benefits going to be. Michael, the chairman, talked about, went back to the 1990 vote, mentioned it briefly. It's the last time Marta was voted on in Gwinnett County. Um, We know that in 1990, when that vote came up, um, there were a lot of issues around race. Correct. And there's always been a lot of issues around expansion of Marta uh, beyond Fulton and DeKalb, beyond the city of Atlanta and DeKalb, where it was established and has been running since, what, 1976, something like that. Um, and, and, and yet there are those who would say that race is still, to some extent, an issue in this vote. Race is definitely still an issue in this vote. It's um, it's unfortunate, but I mean, I, I don't think we can we can get away from it. But I would I would preface it by saying that I I hope that's not the sole issue for this, right? Uh, as I said earlier, I mean, it, it's it's about mobility of people to be able to get to where they need to, uh, and about people having a choice about how they decide to to live, work, and play. Uh, not only in Gwinnett, but throughout the uh, throughout the metro area, or at least throughout where Marta currently goes now. Look, I mean, as, as part of you know, Marta, unfortunately, um, you know, there was talk earlier, earlier last year about the ATL and just change of name. And, and I know even in Cobb, we've kind of gone away from CCT to the link. So, so there's these rebranding efforts. And part of these rebranding efforts is exactly around trying to get away from stigmas, whether they're racial stigmas or, or socioeconomic stigmas, whatever they may be, um, to try to create something new that hopefully more people will want to ride, more people want to partake in. And, and to Chairwoman's Nash comment, um, the more people are willing to invest in a long-term investment with this. So it doesn't surprise me at all um, that there's a there's a racial element to it. And unfortunately, you know, when it comes to long-term multi-billion dollar investments, I for one would like to see the elections take place when the most people possible could have their input in this so it can truly be people's choice. And not to his point to where you're going to have, you know, an, an electorate come out that's the most charged publicly or negatively about it. You know, I would really like to have this ballot and others such as um, be you know be out there truly for the people when most people are going if, to show up to vote. If I can just pose a question to all three of you, then okay, uh, what what is resting on this uh, yeah. March March is it nineteenth March nineteenth March nineteenth vote? Mm-hmm. Uh, yay or nay? What's the implication not just for Gwinnett County but for for say for for Metro Atlanta as a whole? Well, I'll, I'll start off by saying that it represents the largest expansion of the MARTA system in its history since the original uh, formation and and construction uh, when you talk about the amount of investment that we anticipate in our 30-year plan uh, and uh, having better connections to and from, you know, from Gwinnett to the rest of the region, from the rest of the region to Gwinnett, that makes it easier for employers to have access to as large a 
talent pool as they possibly can. It, it makes it easier for folks within Gwinnett to access uh, good employment elsewhere. Uh, it, it has a big implication for where transit as a, for the whole region is headed. To me, this, this is a watershed moment when it comes to transportation in the state of Georgia as a whole, I will say. Because um, with this election and being able to move forward, as Trevor Nash said, it does it, it represents the, um, a, a shift, if you will. Um, and I think that's going to, and I call it a watershed moment because I do think that's going to have a positive impact into Cobb, um, which hopefully we can we can make some traction here soon on that measure. Um, but further out into the rest of Metro Atlanta, and then start to look to connect Macon and connect Augusta and connect Chattanooga. So I think this vote, and and I will say this this time too, it's not only um, this is not the only thing that's on the ballot to bring people out. There are other uh, smaller municipal elections. Um, that are going on special elections. Um, shout out to Antonio Molina, who's running for a city council up in uh, in, in Snellville. I thought you had um, to pay for that out of so retirement. We're going to sell it. But, but here, Tom Faust, let's sell him. But here's the thing with that: there, there, there are people that we're motivating to come out to vote. Um, you know, and and those are nonpartisan races, most of them. But people will be motivated to right. vote to come out, and hopefully that will add to the number of people that's going to be in right. this election. So let me, okay. So let me, let me. I think Galloway asks an important question, and I want to explore it. I want one one last thing. The the other thing it seems to me you have going in your favor right now that was was an issue certainly in 1990 and has been for years was the financial instability for a long time of MARTA. They got their act together and make it easier for you now. Plus, with the contract you have, which sends the, the money to mm -hmm. you first, uh, it, their financial management has been cleaned up, and it makes it a little bit easier, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a much better story when uh, you, you look at the financials and – uh, they've uh, more than met their budget, uh, actually added to their reserves over the last seven years. That's a much that's a that fits more with what our expectation in Gwinnett certainly is. Uh, Gwinnett has had a triple A bond rating from the three major bond rating agencies for 21 years now. So that financial responsibility is very critical to us and seeing the progress that MARTA has made. Look, I. I have been a transit skeptic uh, in the past. I didn't come to this decision that this was the right thing to do for Gwinnett County off the top of my head. There was a lot of time and thought that went into examining the issue and looking for the best way to approach I it. I think timing's everything, Bill, and this is a crucial point that you made about MARTA. Well, we, the T-splashed effort that took yes. place here, what, seven, eight years ago at this point now? Uh, it was a failure in every region of the state, but one. I mean, but one. Okay, yeah, yeah, three, I'm sorry. three regions. You, not thank around you for Atlanta. the correction. None of them around Atlanta. Anybody <laughs> who saw Atlanta television and thought they were voting for Atlanta voted against yes. the T Splice. Yes. Yeah. But more importantly, on the Marta situation, there's a lot of credit that ought to be given to Shirley Franklin as mayor. Sonny Perdue is governor working together on trying to fix MARTA. Mm -hmm. And then Nathan Deal and Kasim Reed's famous relationship. Caesar Mitchell, who was on this show last week, is president of the council. There was a real bipartisan, mm -hmm. biracial effort to clean up MARTA and to transform that organization in a way that it does not have the negative baggage it had even 10 or 15 so years ago. So here are some of the ways Jim Galloway asked, how does this affect a larger region and eventually the whole state? So here are some examples. Uh, Fulton County Commissioner Liz Hausman said, if that doesn't pass, we all need to take a step back. What, we're do what we've done is very important, but what happens in Gwinnett is the next big step. You've gotten the mayor of Union City, Vince Williams, yes. who has said to you, what can we do to get the vote that mm -hmm. you need to pass mm -hmm. it? In Roswell, Mayor Lori Henry says, we've been paying for it for 40 years. If nothing changes, I can't go back to my voters to ask for more. If Gwinnett doesn't come in, we have to start a new conversation. The impact of this uh, is, is enormous. No, no, pre no pressure there. No, no pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I want to say, I think that Michael used the right word. It's a watershed moment. Yes. But it's not a the whole economy collapses tomorrow because mm-hmm. it's already made tremendous progress politically. And when we first passed SPLOS legislation in the late 80s and 90s, there were a couple that were really close, but we lost. Mm-hmm. And then they changed a few things. So I do think that this new law, this new opportunity, what Chair Nash has done to make it appealing to all voters, not just rail, is a tremendous move in the right direction. So I don't, but I do think this is important, and I think that they've done it the right way, and I think that it's going to be a very important political moment for the region because Cobb is next, right? And it's a little bit closer politically divided county than Gwinnett might be uh, on on. Uh, kind of have a little bit more base of a conservative Republicans who are very skeptical. Michael, when the legislature, though, passed and Governor Deal signed the legislation that enables the votes in the various uh, uh, parts of Metro Atlanta, they carved out an, a different sort of uh, stipulation for Cobb. Gwinnett has to vote as an entire county on this yes. measure. If it gets to Cobb, you're kind of bifurcated up there because of the difference between how people perhaps in North Cobb feel about transit and those who are closer to, say, Smyrna and the perimeter itself, right? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And it just, it quite honestly, creates a lot of confusion for a lot of people to really understand even what that means with the House Bill 960, I think. And um, and, and Jim Galloway made an a poor, he actually posed it as a question, but it fits right into what you're saying is because, Jim, when you said, well, you know, if, if Norcross gets it, you know, what good does it do everyone else, basically, right? And it's the same kind of thing in Cobb. Well, if we can bring rail, you know, which which I've advocated for to, to bring it across to Chattahoochee and get it into Cumberland, well, what does it mean for everyone else? Or can we go up, you know, uh, what basically amounts to Cobb Parkway or Interstate 75? Um, and I think we have to understand that to—, to to make this expansion, it's not going to come in everyone's neighborhood or down everyone's street corner. Now, some people are very happy with that, and they absolutely don't want that. But there are other people that feel that if their part of the part of the county is not getting a direct benefit from it, then they're not may not be willing to invest in it. But you know, we have to understand that what we're what we're doing is we're taking traffic to congested areas and we're trying to lessen that load. So if it's through parking rides or just some people who feel like they can get on, you know, and you're going to take. A, a 15 minute ride to continue your ride downtown or whatever, that's a, that's a huge shift. So, you know, I, I look at it, well, you know, if you're in North, Northern Gwinnett and it's not def, def necessarily going to come directly to you, you're still going to benefit from that as you go down further down South Gwinnett and ultimately into Fulton and on downtown. So there's still benefits that everyone in, in this metro area is going to get from this as a whole. Well, and the voters are much more are smarter than a lot of people give them credit for. And that's what I like the way Chair Nash has done it. She didn't, she presumed that uh, Cobb County's got a little bit different situation. It's much closer to core Atlanta, but interestingly enough, it's farther away from the closest MARTA station. So it's not a four mile extension from Art Center to Cumberland. And that goes right through the wealthiest neighborhoods in the South, not just in the wealthiest neighborhoods in the city. Well, so did 400, <laughs> Heath, when, when, when Michael Lomax ago. worked so to the, expand So the, expen- the expense, for example, for Cobb is in, in the expansion is going to be a lot more than $250 million a mile. It's a lot more miles. And uh, what I think we need to do in Cobb County is be very clear. We're 21st century Everything needs to be on the table. We need Uber, Lyft, Google with their driverless technologies, and we need to figure out how the, what's the most affordable way to get connected to rail, either north, south, or could be along 285 from Cumberland over to Sandy Springs mm-hmm. and Gwinnett. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of options for Cobb. And, and not Why? to mention, we do have a railroad that's already runs from Atlanta into Com- into Cobb. Right. And maybe we try commuter rail on, on the CSX have. line. Yeah. Good luck with the busiest, that. <laughs> the, the, the busiest freight that's line. An idea. Yeah, yeah. We might have explored that idea, too. <laughs> I'm going to have my friends from CSX All call right. Michael. Uh, uh, just, uh, just one other thing yeah, while we're talking please. about the, the uh, potential benefits. Uh, uh, here's another 
uh, thing that everybody needs to keep in mind. Uh, the best one of the best ways to manage uh, to hold down the impact of property taxes on homeowners is to make sure you've got a thriving business community. Businesses typically produce more in taxes than they uh, require in cost of services. The reverse is true with most uh, residential property. So it's it's crucial to have a thriving business community in order to ensure they're good jobs for the people that live in the county, but also to make sure that your tax digest stays in, in a good balance Best way. And can uh, I make can I make a guess that the larger the corporation, the more property tax it, uh, burden it 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 it, it takes on. It depends on the type of of, of business, because, but, because, but yes, yeah, because, the bigger the footprint of right, the business, be, typically I the mean, more. Because Gwinnett's mm-hmm. situation right now is it's a wash and small business, but small the, and me- but, medium business. But mm-hmm. the lack of transit right now is cutting it off, cutting it off from any recruitment of the the major new well, ones. Well, the, the fact the fact is that with economic uh, recruitment, the the uh, transit access to transit is one of those uh, boxes that uh, most of the larger corporations are looking to be able to check off. And uh, that definitely, no matter how good the story is every other way, uh, sometimes you just get f- filtered out of the process. Chairwoman Nash, if I could take a second to ask a question related to that. Um, would the expansion also have looked in far as economic development, how, like the TUDES, the transit-oriented development? and how oh, yeah, that, that could be a part of that that definitely will be i mean we anticipate that that will be part of it but uh we're really not focused the jobs are much more crucial to when we've got a half a million more people expected to come to Gwinnett in the next 20 to 25 years so we need a bunch of jobs, good jobs for those folks. Uh, but we also know what's going to happen to our traffic congestion. I mean, we it's bad now. I can't imagine what it will be like with a half a million more people uh, on the roads. I've got to get to a break. Uh, I'm late for it, and I'm getting dirty looks from the control room. <laughs> so let's get our second break of the show out of the way, and we'll come back with more on Political Rewind. On the next Fresh Air, the story of The Real Green Book, the pre-civil rights era travel guide for African Americans, a book that helped travelers find safe places to stay, eat, shop, and do business. It's the subject of the new documentary, The Green Book, Guide to Freedom. We talk with director Yoruba Richin. Join us. Fresh Air is this afternoon at 3 here on GPB, and you can listen online at gpbnews.org. Michael Cohen is going to prison for financial crimes and for lying to Congress. I will spend the rest of my life to fix the mistake that I made. But before he goes, he's testifying before a House committee about his business with the president. It's said that I should take responsibility for his dirty deeds. I'm Jeremy Hobson. Join me for live special coverage of the hearing from NPR News. You can listen live on gpbnews.org starting Wednesday morning at 10. I'm not going to say who, but one of our panelists, Michael Owens, just built a pitcher of water all over the table. If we're not on the air right now, he shorted out the transmitter. But he was trying to be kind and pour me a cup of water. He was pouring water. Test, test, is my microphone working? First of all, uh, we're going to move on. But Charlotte Nash, it's um, really a pleasure. And I just, before we get too far down the road, want to say thank you for talking about this important issue. From my point of view, the notion of how we look to the future as a state is about how we see ourselves moving uh, in, in, in getting to work and getting out in the world around us. So thank you for joining us for this Thanks today. for carrying the torch. Yeah. Thank you for letting me be here. Sure. And uh, somebody had to do it. How All about right. that? All right. Well, you can't just, you're still, we're still in there. You cannot leave yet. I'm not leaving. <laughs> All right. Uh, John Lewis um, got to be a presenter last night at the Academy Awards. He introduced the picture that ended up no controversies allowed on this show being named Best Picture. Let's just listen to some of what John Lewis said when he introduced the movie uh, The Green Book. I can bear witness that the portrait of that time and place in our history is very real. It is seared in my memory. Black men and women, our brothers and sisters, treated as second-class citizens threatened for raising their family or earning a living, beaten and sometimes killed 
for the crime of trying to live a life with dignity. Our nation bears the scars of that time, as do I. John Lewis, Heath. That was a powerful line. When I heard it last night, I thought that's the memorable line. I had the good fortune of living across the street from Congressman Lewis when I first moved to Washington, D.C., and he was one of the first people that I wanted to go shake his hand and get to know him because as a student and growing up in Albany, Georgia, he became an iconic figure to those of us who studied and understood the civil rights movement. And being he was right there with Andrew Young. Uh, and even though I'm a Republican, and even though we disagree a lot philosophically, the amount of respect that John Lewis has internationally cannot be overstated and how important that is for the city of Atlanta and for our state. And uh, I thought, hey, it was a great movie, but seeing him do that kind of made me proud to be a Georgian. It, and it is interesting and a little ironic, Michael, that he he introduced Green Book, which has been incredibly controversial because there are people who have seen it as being kind of an old trope about white people helping black people. And right. thank goodness for the white guy who helps the black guy figure out life a little bit. Uh, but Lewis ended uh, lent, lent an air of uh, dignity and credibility to it. You know, John Lewis has um, has a level of uh, respectability and, and, and awe that very few humans walking this earth today have, right? The ability to walk into, well, there's a room full of Republicans, Democrats, young people, old people. Um, he speaks with a level of credibility. Um, and, and when he made those statements last night, when he, you know, he, he literally bears the marks of the history of this country, yeah. and, and not many people can say that. So, you know, anytime you get an opportunity to, to listen to him or take a few moments, I, I have on a couple of opportunities, it, it's just like you just want to soak it all in, right? Because there's someone who literally is a, is a living piece of American history, and it did tie directly into the times. And people, if you have not seen that movie, it's definitely worth seeing. And, you know, it, it talks about what's, you know— I, set I, I, in 1962. Yeah, it just—you mm -hmm. you have to see it. I mean, the, the, the Green Book itself, just the reason to have a Green Book, um, you know, speaks a lot about the fabric of, of where this country was, and John Lewis is, is a testament to that. Well, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out. Uh, Jim, he, yeah, well, he yeah, made us all proud last made night. Made us all proud. I think the, the Academy owes him a debt because I think the, the, the best movie uh, selection would have been a lot more controversial had he yeah. not been yeah, there. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Black Klansman? Oh, did I say I thought that should have been Best Picture? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, we are completely out of time uh, for today's show, but my thanks again to uh, Charlotte Nash, chair of the Gwinnett County Commission. Um, is voting taking place every day in your county starting today? Uh, starting today, uh, the main elections office from today through Sunday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. Uh, we'll add seven satellite op uh, locations beginning Monday, March 4th. It's every day at those uh, locations plus the main office from May from March 4th through uh, Friday, March 15th. Right. Thank you for being here. Michael Owens, we always love having you here. Same with you, Heath Garrett uh, and Jim Galloway. I'll see you again on uh, Friday's show. So, And I'll see all of you again tomorrow at uh, 2 o'clock for another edition of Political Rewind. Thanks so much, everybody, for being with us. I hope you had a, a good weekend and that the week ahead of you now uh, promises to be a bright one. It's Michael Owens. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Michael. It's Michael Cohen Week in Washington. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And it's Kim Jong-un Week in Hanoi. What more could a political junkie <laughs> ask for it. See you all tomorrow at 2.